The readings from the book of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. Thanks, Jeanette. So that's the moment when Mary finds out she's going to be pregnant. And that's just such a special moment. It's actually, I don't know, do you, do you have folic acid here? And for me, the moment, if, did you, for me, the moment is when you f- walk into that pharmacy, first of all, and buy your first bottle of folic acid, and you know you're on the way. <laughs> and, and then you, you have that knowledge that you're going to have a baby. That, that's such a special time. I mean, I think, you know, Mother's Day is also difficult for a number of reasons. Uh, although it's obviously really nice to celebrate mothers, it's difficult if they're no longer with us. That's a hard thing. Or if our relationship uh, with our mothers was difficult in the first place. I think it's also painful for those who are not mothers and wanted to be mothers. Or for those who, for who the idea of motherhood brings feelings of loss or regret. You know, we have to be with that as well as the joy of it all. I think it's also strange that we, we put so much emphasis on Mother's Day and Father's Day, as to some extent there is an exclusivity about it. You know, originally, um, in England, it was referred to as Mothering Sunday. That was the original name of it. And, you know, it didn't refer to mothers at all. It referred to, it was the Sunday when you, you know, it was actually to do with domestic servants, typical England, you know, class system. And Mothering Sunday was the day that you let your domestic servants off for that day to return to the mother church, which they were either baptised in or they grew up in. And it was known as Mothering Sunday because they returned to the mothering, Mother Church. And the reason that flowers revolved is they always used to pick flowers along the way and they'd always have flowers for the table uh, when they went back. So it was a Sunday they went supposedly a mothering, hence Mothering Sunday. And actually it was revived in the US 
by Constance Adelaide Smith, who was inspired by a newspaper article in 1913. And in 1914, uh, President Woodrow Wilson made a proclamation establishing the second Sunday of May as the official date for the observance of a national day of celebrating mothers. And it was Smith who linked that, that concept of Mothering Sunday, and that's how we've got the institution today. And, you know, I think it's right that we celebrate the whole concept of motherhood. That idea on our service sheet that the Dalai Lama says that uh, it is the Western woman that will save the world. You know, in a sense, all the characteristics of motherhood, I think, are, are latent in all of us. All of us have those latent characteristics. I think it's interesting as as gender stereotypes become less fashionable, it's possible to see virtues in both motherhood and fatherhood that are true for all of us. And the characteristics of those values are things that can inspire us uh, to be better people and make a better world. I think that's the purpose of them. Because if you look at motherhood, first of all, to be a mother... You've got to be open and receptive. Without that, you just can't go really past first base. You have to receive something that will bring about that which makes motherhood possible, that which enables the creation of a child. And, you know, often we're not open and receptive to others. We're closed, and we think we can operate on our own. You know, to be open is really one of the characteristics, the necessary characteristics of evolution. Evolution cannot happen in a closed environment because it requires the cross-fertilization from one part of a created order to another so as to create something new, something that can advance us all. So the idea of being open and receptive is a key one in our development and it's particularly exemplified by women. I mean, look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, in that passage in the Annunciation. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. She is completely, she's worried, but she's completely open and receptive to the creativity that is going on around her. You know, I like the idea, you know, us being open and receptive. I saw somewhere recently which has said that, you know, so often, you know, we don't listen to hear, we listen to reply. And we're always trying to bat it backwards and forwards, but to be really open is to completely receive. And I think that's one of the key characteristics of motherhood. And next, you, you know, you have the value of nurture. The baby in the womb has to be carried as the mother's body. She eats what she eats, the baby eats. What she lives affects the baby. And that's, you know, such a lesson for us as a community, the oneness of the mother and child, the experience that facilitates the baby's growth, the idea of one flesh, you know, cannot be stronger of us being the body of Christ. It's such a powerful image. I always mention that guru story when the guru is asked, you know, how do you look after others? And the guru says, there are no others. 
And the idea of us being one community is so exemplified in the mother and baby. And, you know, it leads us to see the idea of God as God as mother in that song that Barbara sang, the idea of God as being mother. You know, Julian of Norwich said, God is the true father and mother of nature. God Almighty is our loving father and God all wisdom is our loving mother. And my Streckart said, we are meant to be mothers of God. For God is always needing to be born. And the idea of motherhood. And then there is the concept as well of bearing. You know, of actually giving birth. The pain involved for another. The willingness to go through it all for another. You know, you you can really see that birth and pain in the crucifixion. The idea of bearing the pain of others, of bearing the pain with love, rather than blaming others. You know, that is a key aspect of birth. You don't blame the baby for the pain. And yet, you know, in our lives, when we get given pain, we want someone to blame. We want someone to sue. We want someone, you know, to get rid of. It's all their fault. But there is that lesson of bearing pain in love. And then there's the whole idea of, which is so key, of unconditional care. You know, a helpless baby needs that care and feeling, feeding, and the mother gives it without thought. You know, so often, how often is our care and love conditional? We will care for people so long as, as they behave, so long as they agree with us, so long as they're not hostile. You know, mothering shows us the nature of unconditional care. And then there's the letting go. You know, all the way through this area of motherhood, there's the letting go. I always think it's so poignant, that moment, you know, when Jesus is told, while Jesus is talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to speak to you. And he replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Pointing at the disciples, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my mother and my brother. You know, how much, how would Jesus' mother have felt about that? It is that moment where, you know, you have to let your children go. You have to let your children go. And people, you know, people always moan about teenagers. And I know I'm a father of teenagers and, uh, and how they can be difficult. But I think in some ways it's really quite sweet, you know. Often the way they talk, it's completely uncensored. They haven't really learned to censor their talks. They, you know, they haven't learned to be polite like we have, you know. They just come out with it. Oh, Dad, you're so annoying, you know. And most of the time we think that. But we don't actually say it, you know, because I can't possibly say it. You're so annoying. But teenagers are wonderful, you know. They're, they're so uncensored in their, their views and opinions. And they just come out with it in their innocence. And you, that's just the beginning. You know, mothers just have to let go, let their children go. And it is hard. But it does teach us that lesson of not controlling you know, mother, you know, it teaches us that lesson of not controlling. That wonderful thing from the Tao Te Ching. Do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. 
Do your work, then step back, the only path to serenity. You know, mothers have to do that in order to allow their children to grow up. And it is painful. You know, my mother always says that, you know, a time comes where giving your child half a crown, it's an English thing, it's a couple of dollars, you know, just won't do it anymore. You just can't get rid of the pain by just giving them a bit of money. You see your children struggle and you, you can't always help. And she always tells me that the worry never ends, she says. She's probably watching right now. The worry never ends. The worry never ends from the moment you're born. She's still worrying about me at the moment. And we do. We worry about our children, you know, all the way through the time. And then, and then there's the final, the final letting go. You know, and it says in the Bible, now they stood by the cross. This is when Jesus is dying. Jesus' mother and his mother's sister and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, he said to his disciple, who he loved, woman, this is your mother. Behold your mother, and woman, behold your son. You know, that ultimate pain uh, that mothers bear, as do fathers, uh, but we're talking about mothers here, that of, of totally letting go. When, when that worst happens and you lose a child, that terrible letting go, and the love that's required to know the absolute specialness of that child and that that child fulfilled their place. And yet we have to let them go and we have to be grateful for, for what we received. You know, the virtues of motherhood are really those virtues that we do need to make a better world. They've always been there. But it's all of us who need to take them on in all circumstances. You know, we need to adapt and learn to adapt those values in our own lives. And it's because of this that we're celebrating, I think, Mothers Today. We recognise that. Not just to say thank you, which we do, but to remind ourselves of what it means to love at an intimate level and to create at that level. We all have, I think, to become mothers and to live out those values in our lives with each other, to be open and receptive, to be one with our neighbours, to bear the pain that they give us, to care for them unconditionally, to let them go, and to see them in their suffering without being able to do anything about it. You know, the Dalai Lama doesn't mince words when he comes to women. He's said on numerous occasions that he inherited his prodigious compassion from his mother. He believes that women, with their nurturing instinct, are naturally more compassionate. He wants to see more female ministers of defence, and he's delighted that Spain, I think of France now, has one. And if wars are a fact of life, he says, it'd be better if women were in charge, according to him, since they are more likely to empathise with those who suffer during conflict. And so on this Mother's Day, we all have to take responsibility as mothers to give birth to peace and justice in the world, to care for the sick and to be sensitive to the needs of others. You know, male societies have pretty much got us this far and to go any further, it's going to really take that feminine wisdom that has to take over and weave the bonds that will connect us all as one society. And to a large extent help us men to develop our feminine side. 
you know, to let go of the desire to be right. Our desire for control. Our lack of desire to be vulnerable. Our unwillingness to be vulnerable. Our desire always to win approval. And that applies it to family life, in our friendship circles, in our community life, and also in our political life. After the offertory, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to speak if you'd like to. I mean, we may get a vast silence, or I can kneel up here and you can come up like the children are talking, but I don't even encourage you. Just to give an opportunity to speak about anything about your relationship with motherhood. We have a new mother here, which I'd just like to welcome you both into the chapel. Maybe we have a word from you afterwards. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here, newest mother. Uh, and I'll just give you an opportunity uh, uh, to do that. I always say this beforehand, just, it's a pre-med, so you can think about it if you do want to say anything. And dance as well to talk about mothers. I'm just, not just about women, but anybody, if they want to say something. So let's just pray. And we do pray for ourselves and our ability to take on those virtues, that balance of care and empathy. And that lovely sound of children, we just thank you for that. All of us have been in that place. All of us have been looked after. And we thank you for that unconditional care that does exist in the world. And Lord, we just pray that care for our leaders. We pray for it in their hearts and in their minds that they may be touched on this Mother's Day in a special way. We pray for that care and nurture to come into our world, to look after those who are in war zones, in prisons, who are hungry, facing difficulty, homeless, facing oppression. We pray for that spirit to go into the oppressors, into those who can give food, into the care of the doctors and the nurses. And we especially pray for those who are important to us uh, as our community. We particularly pray for Tricia Nichols, for Patricia Hill, for Will Welsh, for Barbara Orcutt, for Sandy St. John, for Bill Archer, for Nathan Morse, for Sophia Layton, for Casey McClanahan, for Bo Tortha, for Jamsin Bagogadan, for Don Howell and Bayard, Mike Ban Savage, for Father Joseph Boyle, for Bishop Rob O'Neill. and for Lee Malkahe. We just pray for all these people, members of our community, in difficulty of one way or another. Ask your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen.